song someone has said this the most pressing problems facing America can't be solved in Washington DC true hope and true change can't be found at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue it can only be found at the foot of the cross of Calvary and that truth is something we cling to here at East Hazel Baptist Church it is a part of our foundation it is our foundation and it is what we proclaim and we are um, hopefully today you're here you know that 
you know the hope of Calvary. You know the hope of Christ, that he died for your sins. He rose again to give you new life and to bring you back to a right relationship with God. That is why we're here, and I hope that you're here to know that truth if you don't know it. But for those who do know that truth, that we celebrate it as we worship. But we want to welcome you here to the service. If you're visiting with us today, we would encourage you before you leave, right, we'd love to, to, to meet you as a staff. We're usually around here at the front. We'd love to meet you, but we'd also encourage you before you leave, stop by our guest table in the lobby. You can pick up a guest bag there. It has some more information about the church. And we'd also encourage you to fill out the care card that's attached to your bulletin. You can fill that out and put it in the offering plate or the basket back there at the table. Um, we would love to have a record of your visit. But before we stand and greet one another, just one quick announcement, a reminder that's in your bulletin. There'll be a very brief meeting. For any of you that are interested and willing to serve in Awana this year, we cannot do it without you as volunteers that are willing to serve. But there'll be a brief meeting in the fellowship hall, straight down the hallway, left at the elevator, um, just to get some information from you. Uh, Chris and Tracy, as our director and uh, our secretary, they will be over there. Uh, but we would just love for you to stop by there before you leave. It'd be very brief. We need to get some information before we start a one of this year to see all those that are willing to serve. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. Take just a minute. Say hello to your neighbor. Welcome them to the service. Thank you. If you will be seated, you'll direct your attention to the screen. So Shane and Jenny Wimmer and their little daughter Liliana, if they'll come up here and meet me here on the stage. It's an honor to be able to dedicate little babies, and thank y'all for having babies again. Amen. We went through several years there. We didn't have a lot of baby dedications. So uh, I didn't ask if they could share this, but I think it'll be fine. About two years ago, we had a little baby who lived 30 weeks, and the little baby passed away. And uh, many of you may have followed that on social media. We had their names in the bulletins. And is this not a blessing? Let's thank the Lord for that. What a blessing. Did somebody do something to you back there? But I, uh, I remember visiting Shane and Jenny uh, after that happened. And just uh, the faith in the Lord that they had. Just want to thank you so much for that. Didn't get bitter. Didn't leave the church. Amen. Just kept trusting in the Lord. And God has blessed them today. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? And I thought about this passage in 1 Samuel. Hannah says this, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him, therefore I've also lent him to the Lord. So long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. And this is a worship service where this family has given this child to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And in this day, we're praying for this child's salvation. Okay? And in doing so, we have a covenant of the parents. So Shane and Jimmy, I'm gonna, Jenny, I'm going to ask you all this question. And if it's the desire of your heart, respond by saying I do. In presenting Liliana to the Lord, do you promise through God's grace and the help of the church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith? Do you also promise through prayer, word, and example to bring Liliana up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of our Lord? I do. Thank you. And also, church, I say this every time, it takes a church to raise a child. Okay. Think about this. One of you may lead her to the Lord. Isn't that a blessing to think about? Many of you will share the gospel with this young lady, this young girl, You'll have her in nursery, probably extended session, Awana, student ministry, all the way up. So we ask you to make a commitment today as well. And I'll ask you as a congregation, do you promise to provide spiritual instruction for Liliana by giving of your time, talent, and resources to help her come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And do you promise to pray for Shane and Jenny as they seek to raise Liliana in the fear and admission of the Lord? If so, would you respond by saying we do? All right, we have several things we want to give you. We have a certificate of this day, okay? We have a little Bible that is presented to her, and that's her Bible, and a little shirt from our ETBC Children's Ministry. We have the Lamb's Book, and I always like to mention this. It's a great presentation of the gospel. It's not just for kids. I think every adult 
should take this and read it. And if you have a lost loved one, regardless of their age, you can lead them through this book and it'll help them to understand why we need to be saved. Okay? And this is a letter that's for Liliana Grace Wimmer, and it's just for her, for her eyes only. Whether she's saved at four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or twenty-eight, okay? This is a letter I've written to her personally about this day. It talks about her, how her mom and dad loved her so much that they brought her here, that they dedicated her to the Lord, that we all made promises to help her come to know, to, to come to know Jesus, and that we prayed for her salvation. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray for her salvation. So if you will, join me in prayer as we, as we pray for her salvation. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, I just want to thank you for Shane and Jenny. Lord, for their faith in you. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless their marriage. Lord, I want to thank you for the faith and the trust that they placed in you during these days. Lord, the hard times are the times that make us stronger. Lord, it's, it's really through the hard times our, our faith is really matured. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for the birth of their daughter. And Father, today we pray for her salvation. Lord, we pray that you'd save her at an early age, Lord, and use her for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray that this church would grow because this young lady's been born. Father, I pray that the name of Jesus would be exalted and glorified, not just in Alexander County, but literally throughout the world because of the birth of this child. So Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory. And Lord, as a church, we pray for her salvation. And we thank you and praise you in advance for what you're going to do for her. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you guys. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord this morning.
Amen. How do you worship the Lord? Through spirit and truth. We can raise him up and praise him in prayer. I want to invite you this morning to come and join me in prayer this morning. You know, I want to share with you our theme for Sunday school, but I want to make it a theme for your life this year. It's in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seeking first in your family, seeking first in your life, seeking first in the church. But I want us to pray for a few people this morning who are in desperate need of our prayers. I also remember Jimmy Lambert. Jimmy's at Baptist and not well. Lift up his family, Shirley and the family, and Amy. Then I had a call this week from Johnny Starnes, and Johnny said, I need you to pray for me and ask the church to pray for me. Johnny would be here if he's able. I want you to pray for Johnny. Then for Jeff Reed, I went to see Jeff this past week in the hospital. They're going to move him to Baptist. I want you to pray for Jeff. I want to invite you to come this morning and pray for these three people. Would you come this morning? You come. morning father we do come as we are father we look into the perfect law of liberty your truth your word and it reflects who we are in christ and father this morning help us to seek first you for our lives for our families and for the church and lord that we might understand what it's like lord to be submissive under your lordship and, Father, to follow after you and to walk after you and to be more like you and less like us. Father, we pray this morning for these people in need. Father, they're hurting. Lord, some are close to death. God, I pray for Jimmy that you would be with him and Shirley and his family. God, just intervene and help them. You're the only one who can. And, Father, I pray, Father, for Jeff. Lord, I pray for him and, God, that you'd just raise him up. Lord, I pray you'd bring help and healing to his body. Lord, I pray for his lungs, that God, that you'd clear them up, and God be with him too. And Father, for Johnny, who called this week and said, I need your prayers. Father, I pray for Johnny that you would intercede and intervene on his behalf. Lord, you said in Romans 8 that you're always interceding for us, you're always praying for us, and we're so grateful that you are. We're so grateful that you're a God who hears us and that you answer prayer. Father, be with Johnny today. And Father, be with our church family. Bless them. Father, renew our spirits as we seek you first in our lives. Father, would you bless the time of worship. May we truly worship you in spirit and truth today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. story. Um, I read it on Facebook, so you know if it's on Facebook, it has to be good, right? And if I'd have been smart, I'd have went to Bobby Johnson, got a couple of $100 bills, and that would have helped me out here. But 
uh, I read it said a preacher pulled out a $100 bill, a crisp, brand new $100 bill, and he asked a congregation, he said, how much is this worth? And, of course, everybody said it's worth $100. Then he pulled out a raggedy old dirty $100 bill, and he said this $100 bill, it's, it's been used in drug deals, it's been used through prostitution, it's, it's been all through the place, and he said it's raggedy and it's dirty, but how much is it worth? And, of course, it's still worth $100. And that's the way Jesus looks at us. It don't matter what we've been through, where we've been, what's happened to us, what we look like. We're still worth the same thing to him as that crisp $100 bill would have been or that $100 person. So listen to the words of this song. It says, come to me. Search no more, there is an answer in this world of doubt and fear. He has come to lift your burdens, you will find your
Thank you, choir. As, uh, as they go down, I just want to mention that next Sunday morning, we're going to have a treat. Uh, Bethel Colony of Mercy, which is a ministry that this church has supported uh, long before I've been here, and I've been here almost 20 years, well, 20 years now. Uh, we've supported them, so when you tithe, you support this ministry. They're located in Lenore, and they don't call themselves a rehab ministry. They call themselves a transformation ministry. Uh, their goal is for anyone with addiction, whether you're presently saved or if you don't know the Lord, number one, you come to know Jesus. But they believe, as I do, that if we'll uh, put Jesus first, as Mark talked about in our lives, that God can help us and he can deliver us. And last year is one of the best services of the year, in my opinion. We had uh, 20, I think, um, between 15 and 20 residents from Bethel come, and they sang and shared testimonies, and it was a blessing in my heart. Next Sunday, they're going to have 100, okay? So they're bringing uh, the majority of the camp. They now have a, a, a male and female camp. And uh, I've had friends go to Bethel Colony, and it's been a blessing to them. Uh, anything like that depends on the person and what they're willing to put into it and if they really want help. But please be here next week. It will bless your life. If you have anyone struggling with addiction or if you have anyone who has a family member struggling with addiction, please encourage them to come. And let's, uh, let's, let's have a good attendance next week. At the end of the service, uh, even though we support them monthly, we're going to take up an offering uh, for Bethel County Mercy. I believe in this ministry. I've seen people greatly helped. A lot of folks from Alexander County use this ministry, so it is a blessing. So uh, please be here next week for that, and I really appreciate it. August the 28th, we'll be in the sanctuary. We'll vote on our budget, nominate committee report. We'll also have a baptismal service that morning, so if you're a candidate for baptism, please contact Mark or the church office so we can have a record of that. We'd really appreciate it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 16 and stand with me. Two weeks ago, I, uh, we're in this uh, series called Questions and Answers. Uh, three, two weeks ago, I asked you this question, are you preparing for eternity? And when I asked that question, I told you that only you can answer for you. And I also mentioned that you are preparing for eternity. Okay, You're either preparing well or you're not preparing well. Last week, we looked at this in Romans chapter 15. Okay, Is Jesus' return imminent, which means could it happen at any moment? And if it could, how should I live? And then on that same theme, we get to Romans chapter 16, and we ask ourselves this question. Now, I want to ask you this. Does my service matter? In a few weeks, we're going to vote on a nominating committee report. Some of you, your name has never been in there, right, ever, in the history of this church. But you serve just as well. And you might say to yourself, does anybody know, does God know what I do? God does know what you do, okay? And when you read Romans chapter 16... Paul lists people. Now think about this. He lists them by name. He didn't have email. He didn't have social media. He didn't have all the things we do. But Paul mentions these people. Why does he mention these people by name? Because they served the Lord. They helped him spread the gospel. The little things God used to, to, to make the gospel spread back then is amazing. This morning we're going to look at two verses. Notice what he says. Paul says this, I commend you, Phoebe. Our sister. Notice the word sister, who is a servant, look at the word servant, of the church in Chentria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of, there's the word saints, in a sister in whatever business she has need of, for she has been a, notice the word helper, of many and of myself also. Now look, Phoebe is mentioned in this list first, and she never technically, technically had an official office in the church. You may say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a this, I'm not a that. Your, your, your service is very important here, okay? Your service is very important. It doesn't matter, it matters a great deal. And at the end of this, and the last point I make, you're going to see how that when you bless and help others, you, oftentimes you'll receive the same reward they do. Isn't that amazing to think about? Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to personally thank you for this church, for the many men and women who have served here. Lord, this church is where it is today, not just because of the leadership who have been elected by the church, but because of men and women who do the small things, the behind-the-scenes things that are so important to make a church grow and also to help the gospel to be spread, not just here, but literally throughout the world. So, Father, I pray this, service, this, this message this morning would encourage us 
Lord, that it would encourage us to serve and to help and to understand that, Lord, the world may not know about it, but you do. And we're so thankful for that. And, Father, my, my prayer at the invitation time is, Lord, I will serve. That's my commitment today. And, Lord, I will help. That's my commitment to you today and to this church. And, Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And once again, all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. When you think about does my service matter, does God know and care, listen to what the writer of Hebrews said when he encouraged the saints. He reminded them this way in Hebrews chapter 6. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in, in still ministering to the saints. One, one pastor put it this way, God knows who you are. He knows your name and he will remember every good work in his name. Think about that for a minute. God knows who you are, he knows your name, and he'll remember every good work in his name. Nothing, no matter how small or unimpressive, slips through unnoticed by God. No one gets lost in the shuffle. Paul has this in mind as he closes out in this document that I'm holding, this book, right? God's Word. Romans is one of the greatest books ever written. Think about that. If Literally, if you just had Romans and the Gospels, all your theology could basically be intact. Romans is so important, okay? This book is so important. At the end of this, this great theological masterpiece, Paul says this. He lists names. One man put it this way. He said, Paul met so many people on his journeys. People he led to faith, and then some people who lived in Rome, some people who didn't. And Paul has kept track of these people. He goes on to say, Paul will greet 17 men by name in this chapter, nine women. He will greet two couples and five converted slaves. He will greet five groups at large along with two specific households. He greets men, women, freedmen, Jews, the well-to-do, the well-thought-of, as well as Gentiles and slaves. Romans 16 is God's way of saying this. People matter, including you. I know your name. I see what you're doing for my cause. No one slips through the cracks with God. Think about that. No one slips through the cracks with God. Every church that has ever been planted and has grown has this issue of people slipping through the cracks. We do. It's a problem here at East Tales, was it not? It's always been a problem in every church. In God's mindset, nobody slips through the cracks. What amazes me about Paul he was a theologian, church planner. He was a dynamic street preacher and evangelist. He was a pastor. But he also cared about the needs of people, and he never got out of balance. Now listen to this. He was not so project-oriented that he lost sight of people. I think sometimes churches can become so project-oriented that we lose sight of people. At the end of one of the most important documents ever written, he lists people. And we'll look at one person today and ask ourselves, does my service matter? All these people matter to, to, to Paul, and they help Paul, and they're being rewarded for their service. So let's think about Phoebe. Okay, some characteristics of Phoebe. The first one is this, she is God's child. Notice the verse on the screen. He says, I commend or I recommend to you Phoebe, our sister. What that tells me, okay, and what it should tell you, and this will help your theology, and I've mentioned this a lot. Because in our culture today, people would deny this, and they're wrong. We are not all God's children. We're just not. Just because you've been born does not make you God's child. It makes you God's creation. John, and John 1, put it this way, He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him, but as many as received Him, so you've got to receive Him, He gave them the right, that's a right given by God, to become children of God to those who believe on His name. Only those who are born again of children of God... John says this in 1 John 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and so, are, so we are. The reason why the world does not know us, John says, is that it did not know Him. Phoebe is, Phoebe is, and that's why Paul calls her his sister. We become God's children when we're saved because we're adopted into God's family. In Rome, or Ephesians 1, Paul says this, He, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. In Romans 8, Paul says this, By him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit 
that we are God's children. And what Paul is saying here is this. She is a true believer in the Lord. He said, I commend to you Phoebe. Her, names mean, her name means bright or radiant. It's a secular name, which means more than likely she was born without Christian influence. One scholar says she's a converted Gentile raised in the luxury of pagan Greek culture by devoted idolaters. She grew up that way. Many say that she grew up wealthy. We don't know if she was a businesswoman who made her wealth through business or if she inherited it, but the Greek terms used to describe her describe that she was wealthy at the time of this writing. Okay? Paul is reminding the church in Rome that while we might come from many fathers in the flesh, we have one father in the faith. There should be no strangers in the family of God. Amen? If God is your father and God is my father, that makes us what? Brothers and sisters. Now let me say that again. If God is your father and you live in Haiti and God is my father, that makes us what? Brothers and sisters. If God is your father and God is my father and you live in Russia, that makes you my brother or sister, right? If God is your father and God is my father and you're a Democrat or a Republican, that makes you what? Now do you believe that? Will somebody tell Facebook? Will somebody just tell them? I think they forgot that, right? Now think about this. If God is your father and God is my father, and you live in a $900,000 house, that makes me and you what? Brothers and sisters. If God is your father and God is my father, and you live on government housing, that makes you what? And if those people come through these church doors, they're what? Family, Right? Hey, when I was in school, I always wondered, if God is your father and God is my father and I get free lunch and you don't, why are we so different? You hear me? Listen, if God is your father and God is my father and you wear a certain pair of shoes and I can't afford them, are we not brothers and sisters? Are we not? Listen, if God is your father and God is my father, what Paul is saying is this. She's a Greek lady who has wealth She's coming to Rome, this woman is. She's a woman traveling. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And you're not these things. She is your sister. And he says, I commend. Paul says, I give her my highest recommendation. I've oftentimes been blessed to write recommendation letters for people for different things. Okay? And what I try to do is keep it short, but I'm honest. Listen, your company's going to be blessed because you hired this person. Or this, your, your school will not have to worry about a bad testimony coming from this young man or young woman, okay? I, I give them, as pastor of East Hills Baptist Church, my full recommendation for whatever that means, all right? Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, I give you my full recommendation about Phoebe. She's the real deal. She is the real deal, and she is, notice the word our, she is our sister, Think about this. Paul is sending her to the church at Rome, and she is carrying. Let me see what she's carrying here. This is what she's carrying. This right here. The one copy they had. Think about Now listen. She's carrying the one document. I'm sure Paul didn't make nine copies. He hand-wrote the book of Romans. And she's carrying it from Chinchuria to Rome. He trusts a woman to do this. The most important New Testament document other than the Gospels that we have. Well, they're all important. She's carrying it to the church at Rome. And when she got there, more than likely she read it to him. And Paul entrusted it to a woman at that time. He gives her his full recommendation. And he says, not only do I give her my full recommendation, but that girl's my sister. And he goes on to say, you better take good care of her. He says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister. See, Christianity brought about the rise of the status of women. Christianity elevated the role of a woman in the ancient world. It just elevated it. Paul would tell men, listen, if you're married, you honor your wife like your own body. No other faith said that. No other culture did that. Read, read the history of the first century about women, if you, if you can stomach it, in every culture. And Paul says, if you get married... Until death do you part, basically what he says, you take care of that woman. He even told them back then, 
the way their system was set up. Men, you work all day long so that woman don't have to leave the house. You know why? Because a woman working on the job back in those days is not good. All sorts of things could happen to a woman back then. And Paul would tell a man, you provide for her, you protect her, you treat her. Peter said this as a weaker vessel. Not less important, but you, you treat her like this. It changed the first century, the elevation of women. And then Paul comes up and he says this, I think I'll give this woman this letter. Never happened hardly ever. Read, read history. They have almost a thousand uh, uh, historical evidences of letters being delivered back then. It's amazing what people kept up with. And I don't think any of them were women, but this one. So Christianity elevated the role of women. It never, and, and you'll hear today, all oh, Christianity does this and this and this to women. No, Christianity elevated women. And then God says, when you're saved, you're equal. Now, your roles in church may be different, but you're equal in God's sight. Men aren't better than women. Women aren't better than men. And that's what Paul is telling us here. That's a great example. So she's your sister. The second thing is this. She is a servant. Notice what he says. He says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Chinchuria. Basically what he's saying, she's a servant of the church universal and she's a servant in the church local. He, he lists both of them. She's a servant of the church and then in Chinchuria. She's a servant of all of us and she's also a servant. It'd be like she's a servant of East Hazel Baptist Church, but her service is also to the whole world. Servant of the church and in the church. Listen, I've met people who serve the church universal and don't belong to a church local, and that's unbiblical. Let me say it again. If you work in a parachurch organization that is just is setting the world on fire, but you don't belong to a church local, that's unbiblical. It's just unbiblical. I remember I was a student pastor for years, and we would have all these music groups come in because we had events all the time. And from time to time, I'd ask these people, I'd be like, and not just music groups, I've asked evangelists. Now, what church you belong to? Oh, stutter, stutter. Well, we, you know, and then they start saying, we were a part of this church five years. Where are you going now? Nowhere. Oh, we just meet in my house and have Bible study. And I mark them down, never get them again. Never get them again. I've talked, I've talked to evangelists over the years. They were in between, we're in between churches. I said, you're in between churches for 10 years, brother? You can't find a church in 10 years? Come on now. See, she was, a, she, she was serving the church universal, but she was also serving the church local. She served the church and served in the church. The word servant is one who gives their life away for the benefit of others, which has eternal implications. Now listen to this. A servant is one who gives their life away for the benefit of others, which has eternal implications. The small things that you do can have eternal implications. God says, I see that. Now think about this for a minute. Think about all the things we can serve and do and not have eternal implications. Do you know that you can belong to a soup kitchen? A secular soup kitchen, never mention Jesus, and you're having hungry people fed, which is good, but it has no eternal implications at all. You can build wheelchair ramps for people. You can be a first responder in Alexander County. But guess what? Hungry people that, lost people that are hungry... If they die lost, your ministry is not real good, is it? If, if it's not your goal to, to lead that person to Jesus, serving in the church has eternal implications. A servant makes personal sacrifices for others. It takes time and sacrifice for the greater good, for missions, for evangelism, for discipleship, for worship. She prayed a, paid a price on behalf of others. And the Bible also tells us that she spent her money, indicates... For the greater good in the church, for the church local, and also for the church universal. That word servant is such a wonderful word. Look at that word. It's the same word we use for the office of a deacon. It's the word Jesus used when he told his, uh, the servants at the, at the wedding to turn the water into wine. This was her reputation. To be a servant is of utmost importance. Jesus said this in Matthew 20, 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Now, now, if you notice the word servant, some uh, translations will put deaconess. Well, that's not an office. Because every time that word's used, it don't mean deacon, like the office of a deacon. And I'll explain that to you here in just a moment. Jesus goes on to say, say something like this. It's a noble thing to want to be great in God's eyes. And Jesus told his disciples, if you want to be great, become a servant. 
and because this is so recent, I just want to thank everyone who served in BBS. You say, well, nobody saw my service. God did. God saw everything you did that week. Every little thing you did that week, God saw. And you know what you gave here? Listen to this. This is what the people that worked at BBS for a week did. You gave your time. Now think about that for a minute. I was in a conference with invitation only. They only asked pastors to come. And the guy leading it uh, is from a church in Georgia, runs three to 5,000 people on Sunday morning. He said people would rather give their money than their time. They'd rather give their money than their time. So the time you gave for VBS, said, oh, it wasn't a big deal. I just ate oatmeal cakes, and that's what I did. Okay, you guys served during that week, all right? God sees that, and it has eternal ramifications. The nominating committee report. You want to be great? Jesus says, you want to be great? Then serve. Jesus goes on to say this in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. That's who Phoebe was. Mark 9, 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12. He says, come here. And he says, anyone who wants to be first must be very last and servant of all. Now think about Phoebe. Show, show this map on the screen. I'm a map guy. I'll show you where Chintry is. Right here is a K. You may not be able to see this. See Athens? You have Corinth, and here's Chinchuria, right here. And Phoebe gets this letter, and she either went this way, probably this way, which is very dangerous for a woman, and goes about 756 miles here with one of the most important documents ever written, right there. Did she have to do that? Probably paid her own way. Look, from here at this, Chinchuria was a seaport. People came from all over the world there, right? Study history. Look, and she served in this church here, went up to Corinth and served there. And then Paul says, will you go to Rome? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'll go. How much time did that take her? How much money did it cost? How long was she in Rome? Okay. Probably a wealthy businesswoman left it all to serve, sacrifice. You and I wouldn't even know her name. She didn't write a book of the Bible. She's just mentioned here, Phoebe, two verses. Isn't it amazing? Paul starts out this last section of, of Romans with her name. She is a servant. She is a servant. Think about this. Serve where God puts you. God got, she was there in the church at Chinchuria, and God said through Paul, I'm going to use you. Women in almost every church outnumber men in service and attendance. Think about that. Women, thank you so much for your role in the church. Phoebe, Paul says, I commend her to the church and serving is what and the reason we mention that is because serving is the majority role in every assembly that God mentions in the Bible Peter says this he uses the same term he says this be servants toward one another with the gifts you have all received be servants to one another same word go back to that verse Corey if you will Phoebe our sister I commend you who is a servant of the church in Chinchuria. I commend her because she's serving. She's our sister, number one. And number two, she is serving. The church works and advances and progresses when everyone is a servant. No matter what their title, the church is not advanced by a few mighty pushes of great people, but by many little pushes of ordinary servants of God. Some of you have been here a lot longer than I have could just mention people. Oh, this person did this, this person did that. This person did this. This person did that. One, one, one pastor put it this way. During the first few centuries of the church, the role, you understand what I'm saying? The role, not the office of a deaconess developed out of a practical need for more than a biblical mandate. It was because of a practical need, not a biblical mandate. Women were appointed as deaconesses in a role to specifically care for the sick, the poor, to provide hospitality to strangers passing through, and to even provide care for the imprisoned. They were also responsible to help with the baptism of women with the discipling of new women converts to Christianity. He goes on to say, I'm aware of a number of good churches that have chosen to establish the office of deaconess, even though scripture does not mandate it or even define the office, and it doesn't. But whether any good church officially mandates the office of a deaconess or not, every effective, progressing, advancing church understands that without women... Serving Christ in the church, the church would not last a weekend as we know it. It would not. 
The average Wednesday night service attendance in the average Baptist church is 70% women, 30% men. Just being honest with you. The average Sunday morning attendance in the average Southern Baptist church is 60% women and 40% men. And then when you get down to service, it's even higher than that. So thank you women for your service. So she's a sister, she's a saint, or a, a servant. Notice the third thing real quickly, she's a saint in the Lord. Notice what Paul says. He says, I commend you to Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Chinchoria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. That word means she's been saved and she's been separated, which means this. I don't know what you knew about Phoebe before she got saved, but she's this person now. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Now, I don't know who Phoebe was before. Maybe she was just a person who grew up in a nice home and had no issues. What if she did have issues? What if she had issues? What if she had a reputation? Oh, there's Phoebe. You using Phoebe? Brother, you know what about Phoebe? You know what I know about Phoebe? Oh, I know she's a saint. Do you realize that? Now, when Bethel Colony comes next week, some of them are going to tell you some stories. Right? Been there, done that. But you know what I'm going to see? Everyone on the side, I'm going to see a bunch of saints. See, we all got issues, don't we? We all got a past, don't we? And see, what Paul is saying through this, I don't know what you know about Phoebe before. I'm talking about Phoebe now because Jesus Christ is Savior. She's a saint. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. God can use you regardless of your past. Now listen, some churches may not use you, but God will. Right? And what Paul is saying is this, look, I commend you to her. Now I don't know what her past was, but there's a reason he mentions this. I commend you, my sister, she's a servant and she's a saint. So whatever you know about Phoebe in the past, it's washed in the blood. Amen? It's covered by the blood. Wouldn't it be a little great, a little great for churches in Alexander County if we showed a little grace toward people's past? Wouldn't that be mind-blowing in this county if people didn't have their reputation following because they got born again? Got born again, brother. Well, why don't we act like they got born again and look at them like saints? What that word means is she ain't who she used to be. That's what the word means. Now, she may struggle at times or whatever, but she's not what she used to be. Paul is writing from Corinth. You understand what I'm saying? Listen to what Paul said about Corinth. He wrote, he wrote the book of Romans from Corinth. Listen to what he says. Do you not know, right, this is what he wrote to the church at Corinth. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That means they're not saved. The word unrighteous means that you're not right with God. Okay? He says, you not know, he said, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the bad news. And such were some of you, he said. You were that. But you were washed. You were sanctified. There's that word. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. That's who you were, but that's not who you are. You understand that? That's who you were, but that's not who you are. See, when I had the privilege of speaking with Scotty Barnes in Forgiven Ministries, got a lot of prisoners there, 20, 25 men. Don't, I don't care what you did. I'm just concerned about who you are, right? Me, I don't care what you did. That's none of my business, but I know what you can be. You can be a saint, right? Because God takes sinners and makes them into saints. He says, the unrighteous do not inherit because they place their faith in something other than Jesus. She's a saint. And then the last thing here, it says she's a helper and I'll hurry. Notice what the Bible says. It says, and assist her. He says, now what, look what he says. Assist her in whatever business she has need of. He says, when she comes to Rome, what, if she needs lodging, you help her. If she needs food, you help her. If she needs money, give her a blank check. That's how much faith Paul has in Phoebe, this woman. All right, She's a sister, she's a servant, she's a saint. And he says, whatever she has in need of her, she has, notice why, for she has indeed been a helper. Look at that word. She's been a helper. See, your name don't have to be in any kind of church literature to be a helper, does it? 
What that, what that means, if you study that out, means she probably helped people financially. She helped people spiritually, physically. She's a helper so much so that God put her in the Bible. Think about that. Of many, look at that word many. That, that word many is used uh, in Matthew 25 to talk about great crowds, a large crowd. Jesus just said there's many. It means a large crowd. We can't number them. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus says many are on the broad road to destruction. She helped an untold number so much so that they couldn't keep up. She is giving, expecting nothing in return. And Paul says this. Notice what he says. She's been a helper of many and of myself also. Paul says, I'm telling you from personal experience, this woman has helped me. Probably with lodging, food, supplies, clothes, income, encouragement, moral support, prayer support. A woman like that is invaluable. No price could be put on Phoebe. Paul had no friends at times. The last letter Paul ever wrote, he says this, writing to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. He's in prison. Now notice what he says. Be diligent. You need to come, Timothy. It's, it's, it's the voice of a lonely man, right? Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Cretans left me for Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Doesn't say a lot about Luke, does it? Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful for me in ministry. And him and Mark had, had bad will at one time, so Paul's really desperate. He said, Antichicus, I've sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. And all the preachers said, Amen. And then he goes, and you must also be aware, be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. And then he says this, Paul says, At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Apostle Paul. Most of the New Testament, other than the Gospels, is written by Paul. Greatest theologian to ever live. One of the greatest conversion stories of all time. He's in jail, and he says, At my first offense, nobody was there. You know how they did that back then? The court would say, is anyone here with the Apostle Paul? One time. Nobody. Crickets. Usually people would stand up, I'm here, I'm going to vouch for Paul. They did it a second time and Paul says, nobody was there. They all forsook me. Now let's read this again. And assist her in whatever business she has need of, for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Paul never forgot her. Ever. Men, be like Phoebe. Women, be like Phoebe. Notice when you help in the small things, notice what the Bible says. Jesus said this. I'm going to read the whole verse, and you just look at that verse up there. Jesus said, He who receives me receives him who sent me. Then he says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now think about this for a moment. Not only receive them, but you help. The word receive means I believe in what you're doing, and I'm going to help you. Okay, imagine Isaiah, which many call the fifth gospel. Imagine you helped Isaiah. Just helped him. However, I don't know, you helped him. On judgment day, you get a reward like Isaiah got. Isn't that a blessing? That's what Jesus is saying. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. That's what Jesus said. It's not what I said. You know what Paul's telling the church at Rome? Phoebe helped me and whatever crowns I get, and there's many Paul's going to get, Phoebe's going to get every one of them with her. Every one of them. Look, and whoever gives one of these little ones, that's talking about one of the disciples, only a cup of cold water in the name of the disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. A cup of cold water. Isn't it amazing the things that we overlook, the little things that we do, God sees. And he says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. Isn't that amazing? See, look, look. I think next week, Bethel's coming. God's going to bless Bethel because they're doing stuff that I won't do on a daily basis. But I'm going to give to them. I'm going to give to them. I'm going to help them. And on Judgment Day, they're going to be rewarded for that, and you're going to be rewarded too if you give too. Forgiving ministries. I'm not going to prisons every week. I don't see how you do it, Scotty. I appreciate your work, but I give of my time and try to give to them. And on that day, I'm going to receive reward like they do. 
Think about this. Think about Samaritan's Purse. Think about all the missionaries throughout the world that you support by giving here. The small, small little bits add up, right? Small little bits add up. God sees that. Now, Jesus said, if only a cup of cold water, you're not going to lose your reward. Should we not be the most cold water given people in Alexander County? We should be, all right? I'm going to ask you musicians to come as we close, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I would say this in the quietness of this moment, the Lord sees it all. He knows your name. He sees what you do. And great will be your reward in heaven. And I would say this in closing. How has God spoken to your heart today? Submit to him and pray this prayer if you know him. Lord, I will serve you and serve the church. And Lord, I will help. And then you fill in the blank. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that now. And this altar is open this morning if you need to come. And our staff will be here. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the many hundreds of people at East Hillsville Baptist Church that serve. And Lord, for the many more that help. Father, I've seen people in this church help when people are in the hospital. Lord, when people have needs at home. Lord, when people need encouragement, Lord, spiritually and physically, Lord, people have helped. Lord, help us to be a church full of servers and helpers. And Father, we're so thankful that you see it. And Lord, you'll honor it one day. So Lord, I pray that you encourage this church at 644 First Avenue Drive today. Lord, encourage us. Lord, if it's just giving out only a cup of cold water, Lord, I pray that we'd do it in your name for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this invitation time. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond this morning as the Lord leads you. Just as I am. Today, I would say this before you leave. If you uh, want to know more about serving here, come contact one of the staff. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, please contact one of the staff. We'll talk to you after church about that as well. And also, if you need to be baptized or want to be a member of the church, uh, please contact the staff or the church, and we'll help you with that as, as well. Thank you so much. I want to say this before you dismiss. Thank you so much for all your service here and all your help here. God bless you, and hope you have a great Sunday.